Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside, for the first time in a few days, my great friend and host of the Bucks Radio Network and everywhere else, Bucks Courtside Live. You know the drill. I go through this uh, every time he is on the show. It's Justin Garcia. And Justin, before I bring you in, I got a DM after the game. And this came from a Bucks fan uh, at Joel Cohen 04. And he said, I got to my first game tonight. Hope you can make it for the playoffs, which was, first of all, it was just a very nice message from Joel there. But secondly, uh, the Bucs did win tonight 134-101 over the Knicks. But I was watching this game on League Pass, and on League Pass you get the, the arena vision or whatever's yeah. going on on the scoreboard. And it was for the first time I felt like I was watching a game where you could, it, it really felt, even during the timeouts and the entertainment, that it just seems like spirits are lifting a little bit. The fans are having a great time at the arena. So I wanted to shout Joel out for that message because uh, it was fun tonight. It was fun. The second half of the season has started. The fans are having a good time uh, and the Bucks just looked really good. Yeah. Um, I was talking about this with somebody else that um, it was a couple of shows. I was asked about it today of the boost that, you know, you can feel from the crowd and what that's like. And now with the news coming today that the Bucks, you know, by the time they play their next home game, it's going to go from nearly double the capacity from 10% to 18% capacity. And on the path that we're on, I know 25% was the goal initially that I would assume we're not too far removed from getting to 25% or beyond, especially in Wisconsin, considering how well we've been doing with the vaccine. It, it, it's still weird that, you know, we had talked about it before. I got used to being in the arena with no people that for the first few games when there were people, then it was strange. And on the post-game show that I do with Greg Matzik, uh, somebody called in and, and basically said the same thing too, only they had said, you know, I was at the game tonight and it was my first time there and it was weird. And I, I don't know if I'll go back anytime soon just because, you know, not necessarily that the Bucks did anything wrong or any of that. It was just weird for me to adjust to seeing how sparse the seating was and just being in a building that large where there weren't as many people as you're used to seeing that we can see it on TV, but being there and experiencing it, it was strange for me. So it's going to take some time. Um, but I, I think we're kind of in this spot now where until we get to close to 50% capacity or 10,000, it's basically going to feel the same. And it's not until we get into the tens of thousands of people that I think that's when you're going to notice, holy cow, this building is almost full. And now you can really feel the energy that the crowd is, is bringing. But, you know, the more you're around it, the more you get used to it. But it's, it's an adjustment for all of us. And I think with more and more people getting to the arena for the first time, there's going to be more stories like that where people, good or bad, have their experience of, all right, I was in there for the first time around fans, and here's what it felt like. 
Well, they got a good one tonight because, as I mentioned, a big win for the Bucks, 33 points. A little bit of a revenge win. I know Marcus Johnson was kind of mentioning that on the broadcast a little bit towards the end of the game. The fact that, you know, last time the Bucks played the Knicks, I know New York shot the ball really well. And I know you look at the standings now and you say, okay, the Knicks have probably won a few more games than we expected them to. But still, that was a bad loss. And when we talk about the Bucks this year, I don't think that we've been going over the top with any of the losses that they've had, but that was one for me that you put in the you know the wasted opportunity box because I think as the season winds down and you do start to look at seedings and how that's going to impl- implicate playoff matchups, you don't want to be losing to teams like the Knicks. So to see them come out on the first night after the All-Star break where sometimes it can be a little bit of a mixed bag in terms of energy, efforts, uh, execution given the fact they've only really had one practice session and that was a night practice as well, which is very strange for these guys. Uh, You never know what you're going to get. But I thought, and and I was just truly impressed with the way that this team executed tonight, particularly defensively, how that translated to their offense and being able to get easy baskets. And when we spoke to these guys after that first practice session, that was the message we got from Bud and also Dante DiVincenzo, who both said, listen, we know that we haven't exactly been at our best in the first half of the season. We knew that. We said that when we left before the All-Star break. Everyone had a couple of days to reset. Obviously, it was a short off-season. Now we've come back and we have our eyes on the playoff and we're going to try and lock in and execute better than we have or more consistently than we have through the first half of the season. And I really think that that's what we saw tonight. And as far as the stats go, uh, another big night for Giannis. He picked up another triple-double, 24 points, 10 rebounds. 10 assists. Bryn Forbes was sensational. We'll talk about all these guys as we roll through here. He had 21 points on 7 for 7 shooting from 3. And Brooke Lopez, 5 blocks on the night and 10 quick points in the first quarter as well. He finished with 14. But it was cool to see Brooke Lopez play well uh, also. So what stood out to you as you were watching this game? Because I described it as business-like. I think think that's what it was. I think this team came to play uh, and it was impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what stood out most was the Bucks made 18 threes, but 10 of those came from DJ Augustine and Bryn Forbes. That, that duo was 10 of 10 on threes, and they almost shot 50% from, from three for the game. But again, outside of those two guys, they're at, at around 25%. So um, just the production from those two is what stood out the most because those two guys are fascinating when you consider – how they were kind of tangled together in the starting lineup in the absence of Drew Holiday and how, you know, I think we had talked about it at the time too, that the switch was made. Bryn Forbes is probably best suited going back to the bench where his usage can be higher and he can be a guy that's just your designated shooter and coming in looking for the open looks and taking those shots that that's where he's going to excel and he's going to get more reps and more open looks playing next to Giannis as a starter. But he's not going to be leaned on offensively and he's not going to get those opportunities he did off the bench. And, you know, DJ Augustine, I know he had his detractors early on in the season and, um, you know, he didn't look like the guy that we saw the last few years and certainly not the guy we saw carve the bucks up in the playoff series last year. But, you know, sometimes it is things as little as just being put in the starting lineup and getting that kind of nudge and playing alongside other guys like that. And it's something I actually talked about with Marcus Johnson a little bit uh, before the Clippers game. And uh, sometimes you do just need something like that to just give you a push in the right direction. And ever since we've seen DJ Augustine in the starting lineup and now this game, 
he does look like a different guy. And part of that is probably comfort and familiarity and just adjusting to his new teammates and surroundings. But part of it may be that as well. And, you know, DJ Augustine is going to be important for this team in the second half. So if you can get him and Bryn Forbes to bottle this up and continue to play like this, you obviously don't expect 10 for 10 on a nightly basis. But if you can continue to get the, uh, the contributions like this, that's going to be huge for this team because we pay so much attention to Bobby Portis and what he does for the second unit. But these guys may be bigger for this team in the second half. So, I mean, that stood out to me outside of the obvious, which, I mean, I can't believe it took us this long to get to it. But the story of the game was the player of the game and the performance of the game and the number of two for two points, two rebounds, two assists, two goal tens for Mamadi Diakite, <laughs> the much-anticipated NBA debut. Well, uh, that's the benefit of having a blowout. You get a chance to see a couple of those guys came in. Sam Merrill hit a nice little floater and then a three as well. But, yeah, it's always fun to see a guy get his first bucket at NBA level, a nice little baseline mid-range jumper for uh, Diakite there. And uh, he also picked up a a block as well. It was interesting because, you know, when he comes in, again, we've said this, for those guys that get the garbage time minutes, it's hard to really take anything away from that because we've seen Sam Merrill and Jordan War as well look great and bang down shots. And then when they've had their opportunities in real minutes, it's been a little bit more difficult. And I think that's to be expected, but it was interesting to see a Diakite pick up a foul on his first defensive attempt there. And then just after that, uh, Taj Gibson was able to move him around pretty easily on the glass a couple of times. And, and, you know, for a veteran player like Taj Gibson and a guy that is taller and, you know, we've spoke about the size of, of uh, Diakite there that he is actually undersized. I mean, he's probably not going to be a, a true five in the NBA. It was interesting to look at those little things, but I do hope uh, we get to see a bit more of those guys as the games get on. But Twitter was certainly very excited about that one. I want to talk about Bryn Forbes a little bit more. Before I do, I want to mention betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action because football might be over but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Uh, you you watch the, the Bachelor, uh, Justin? Uh, I I do not watch the Bachelor, but uh, I I do watch basically any other show that, that that's going to be discussed when you talk about reality TV. Survivor. So I just recently somewhat got into it during the pandemic on. Uh, on Paramount Plus with all the seasons that they have of it just going through and uh, starting from the beginning. So I'm not a Survivor mainstay, but I'm about six seasons in. All right. Yeah, Survivor's a fun one. And by the way, if, you, if, you, if you've got some catching up to do with Survivor, that'll probably get you through the next decade. There's been that many series oh, yeah. of that. But the point being, with betonline.ag, you can find all of that kind of stuff on top of the sports, the news, the scores, the odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Use the promo code Locked On. head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We're covering everything you need to know about the Milwaukee Bucks, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by... The great Peter Bukowski, who, by the way, was on the show twice this week from Locked On Packers. If you want to go back and check out those episodes, it was really fun. We spoke about Giannis, spoke about Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Uh, It was a really cool chat with Peter, so you can check that out. But as far as Locked On Today goes, 
Uh, it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So, Bryn Forbes, uh, we already mentioned the line, and seven for seven from three is clearly uh, impressive. And it was funny, Giannis, after the game, was joking uh, about the best shooters he's played with. And he was saying, well, you know, against Memphis, I was one for one from three. And then I was three for three in the All-Star game. And then I was one for one from three tonight. Uh, so I'm five for five. So he's like, that's basically as good as seven for seven. Maybe I'm the best shooter out there. Giannis, as we've seen all season long, continues to have uh, plenty of fun, particularly in the media sessions. But Bryn Forbes, I was thinking about this during the game because we've spoke about the chemistry that he clearly has with Giannis and the fact that Giannis loves those little dribble handoffs and he's always looking for Forbes on the perimeter. But Forbes really does separate himself from every other shooter on this team outside of probably Chris Middleton in the way that he can shoot on the move. And I think that the biggest concern that I've had with the Bucs over the previous years in terms of their shooting in the postseason, and this is still the concern I have with a guy like DJ Augustine and certainly with a guy like Pat Connaughton, is that their threes are really just catch and shoot and they're wide open and they knock them down. And Dante DiVincenzo is much the same, although I do think there's scope for improvement there with him and he could potentially be a guy that eventually is able to hit them off the dribble. But Forbes really can hit the high degree of difficulty three-point shots. And in many respects, it is Kyle Korver-like. They're different players. Korver was obviously a bit bigger than Forbes. But in the actions that they can run and in the combination that they can have working together, I think that that is why Bryn Forbes is the guy that's going to be very valuable in the playoffs. Or if he's a guy that shoots to the percentages he has been, that he can be a game changer in the playoffs. Because again, if he has a night like this, and maybe it's not seven for seven, but he goes five for seven, four for seven, whatever it may be, if he has these 15 to 20 point nights in a playoff game, the Bucs are going to be really, really damn hard to stop. And just the way that he uses that two-man game, because I know we've compared it a lot. And again, I mentioned Pat Connaughton there, but even a guy like Tony Snell. And by the way, I feel bad just you know talking any anything that's not completely complimentary about Tony Snell shooting after he hit that buzzer beater to beat the Raptors. Unbelievable stuff for Tony. But Forbes is just different. The degree of difficulty, his ability to shoot on the move, off the dribble, it's it's really stands out. And it's not something we've seen a lot of with the Bucs over the years. Yeah, and, um, you know, we've made the comparison a lot, but you, you think about last year with Kyle Korver, and it was um, – we've, we've obviously seen it before, but seeing it firsthand, it's, oh, well, he he's still has the quick release and how, how, much he, how quickly he can get the shot off. And that's, I think, what, what stood with you most about Kyle Korver and with Brent Forbes, it's what you talked about. It's the degree of difficulty. And think about all of his threes tonight where there was maybe two – of those seven that were just your standard catch and shoot, he said, and and not even catch and shoot, but just not super difficult three pointer where he's coming off the screen. Think about the number of them that we saw where he's coming along the baseline or he's uh, right there in the corner and somehow keeping his feet in bounds and catching it and getting off the shot immediately where he just gets these shots off where the degree of difficulty is sometimes off the charts. And that's what you're going to need where you just get this guy that doesn't need much room, but he can get the shot off and it's going in. And I mean, since February 1, he's over 50%. That he and Bobby Ford, Bobby Portis, Bobby Forbes, be a great duo. Yeah, yeah, they're both 50% for the Bucs on their three-point shooting since uh, February 1. And for Britton Forbes, too. I mean, he's out there to take threes and 
you know, to make them at a high volume. And that is exactly what he's done. I mean, he's made 51 threes since February 1st. And that is by a wide margin, the most on the team, way more than guys that are playing much more minutes than him, that you look at the amount of attempts that he's taken over that month as well, where Chris Middleton, the guy that started off red hot, and Dante DiVincenzo, those numbers have come up as well. But Fred Forbes was taking more than 20, 20 more threes than Chris Middleton has during that same time period and has almost made 20 more threes than he has. And you look at the minute discrepancy, Chris Middleton's almost played twice as many minutes as Brandon. And, you know, Chris Middleton hasn't exactly been a gunner during that stretch of play either. So for Brent Forbes to be doing this in limited minutes, it's basically everything that you had hoped Kyle Korver would provide you last year and you know we've often talked about well how differently would this team have looked two years ago specifically uh, if they would have made that that trade for Drew Holiday and they had him two years ago in the in the conference finals against the Raptors they probably win it you know I'm not saying that the Bucks beat the Miami Heat in that series last year but it does look a little different if you had Brent Forbes that even had one game where he catches fire and had one sequence where Brent Forbes comes in and knocks down a couple of shots because, you know, as much as Coach Budenholzer talked about the defense and how it wasn't to their standard that they wanted, especially in those games towards the end of that series when Giannis was out and clearly incapacitated before he was out, they just didn't have anybody else that the Heat could key in on Chris Middleton and there was nobody else that you could really rely on and trust offensively, even guys that, you know, in the case of Brent Forbes, you're not expecting him to carry an offense, but he can give you, you know, a 10-minute stretch where he comes in and just starts hitting shots. And as you said, that's the type of thing that swings a game, certainly, and then that goes a long way in swinging a series. Well, I'm glad you actually mentioned uh, Bryn Forbes. Was that what you said, Bryn Forbes? But I think so. <laughs> Brent Porter, something like that. Listen, it's late. It's late. It's late over there. It's nearly one o'clock in the morning in Milwaukee. But I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that I've, I've mentioned a few times uh, so far uh, this season has just been the fact that I don't think that those two guys necessarily, um, they've been fantastic, but I don't think necessarily they've had their uh, best moments against the better team. So that's still a question mark for me. We've spoke about the upcoming schedule quite a bit here. So we will wait and see. Uh, how that all plays out. But I got to tell you, Forbes has impressed me this season. He's been better than I imagined he could have been. It makes sense when you think about the shots that he's taken and the offense the Bucs have right now that he's able to uh, find himself getting more opportunities to get good looks, despite the fact we spoke about some of the tough shots he's making. But it does make sense with a guy like Giannis and Chris and Drew. uh, It's a little bit more potent than what the Spurs have been running over the last uh, season or two. And one last note there, uh, nine shots overall, seven of them, it came from three. So I love that, uh, that distribution there as well because there has, been a time, there has been times through the season where uh, it's been closer to 50-50 or sometimes he's taken more twos than threes. Uh, Forbes is out there, start shooting the threes, uh, I say, and seven out of nine shots from beyond the arc is a nice number for me. And, uh, you know, I mean, seven for seven. You literally can't get any better than that. So you've got to be uh, impressed there. And as you mentioned, DJ Augustine, we'll see, went back into the second unit tonight. Uh, which I thought uh, obviously was a good move. You wanted to get Drew Holiday back into the starting lineup. I did have some queries from uh, some uh, fans on Twitter whether the Bucs would potentially bring Dante off the bench. But look, look, I I think we saw when the Bucs were trying to run the starting lineup of Forbes and Dante that 
yeah, you can say what you want about DJ Augustine, but he's a true point guard. And we saw when he came into the starting lineup for Forbes, the offense did look a little bit more organized because uh, even though he hasn't perhaps played to the standard that he would even like to, uh, he can run an offense and everything just felt a little bit more organized with the true point guard there. And that's why I think uh, Bud is, is going to enjoy bringing him off the bench uh, as that true point guard that can run with multiple different guys, different lineups, sprinkle the starters in there as well. Yeah, and um, you know we basically saw the same thing with uh, DJ Augustine too, where you talked about Brent Forbes. The shot selection was almost essentially all threes, and that's mm. exactly what you want from him. It was pretty much the same with DJ too, where uh, four shots and three of them were threes, and that's kind of been a trend that we've seen for him too. If you look at his last few game logs, I mean, all of his shots against the Grizzlies were threes, all against the Nuggets were threes, against the Clippers all but one. And I think that was one of the areas, too, where uh, the balance was a little off. But again, when you look at DJ's career, I think that's what which would probably startle most Bucks fans is I think some of the, the calls that you heard early in the season were, well, DJ Augustine's taken way too many shots at the rim or near the basket. Like, just sit behind the three-point line and, and take those. And then when you look at his career numbers and you see the split and the shot profile and the amount of shots that he takes inside the three-point arc, and you'd say, you know, believe it or not, this year is his career low for two-point shot attempts that he's taking. And it's, it's something that he did quite a bit of throughout his career. Uh, but now he's kind of settled into that groove. And I don't know how much of it is just accepting the role as much as it's everything that's going on around him. But we've seen that split move back to DJ Augustine now is, is basically only taking three-point shots, which is something I know fans called for, and it's something that he may not be totally accustomed to, but the last few games, it's been a success for him. All right. Anyone that's been listening to this podcast over the last few weeks knew, they knew I was going to talk about Brook Lopez and the way he played tonight. So I want to get to that. Uh, but we're going to talk about Built Bar Madness. I, I know you've probably heard about this, Justin, but uh, the best tasting protein bar on the market has now got a brackets because it's March and everything has to be put in a bracket. So Built Bar is the amazing low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber a protein bar that's 100% covered in chocolate. But now we are trying to find out which Built Bar is the best in Built Bar Madness. Today's matchup, we're into the sweetest 16. So after the sweetest 16, we've got the enticing eight, then the flavorful, flavorful four, and then we move into the championship game. Or the championship game, I should say. Not the championship game, it's the championship game. Uh, so in the sweetest 16 matchup today, we have cookies and cream and churro puff. Now, churro puff, I should say, is uh, not actually out yet. So it's coming. So this is a little bit difficult, but it made it through the first round defeating Apple, Almond Crisp, despite the fact that no one's actually tasted it. So cookies or cream or churro puff, this is, this is difficult. This is a difficult uh, decision to make for the listeners, but go, uh, you can definitely uh, pitch in here. All you have to do is go to builtbar.com or to the Twitter page at bar underscore built. And remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. That's LOCKEDON20. To get 20% off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar ever. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network will be live on Selection Sunday, which is March 14, reacting to who's in and who's out of the NCAA tournament. Ben Stevens and Josh Neighbors host 
Selection Sunday Live with local experts from around the Locked On College network of podcasts. Follow at Locked On Live on YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook today and watch our live Selection Sunday special on March 14. Now, Brooke Lopez, Justin, he's been a very contentious name over the last few weeks. Not so much as far as I'm concerned. I am adamant that he's going to be a critical part of the Bucks trying to win the title this year. And I found it really interesting that he looked as spry as he did. I don't know if that's a word we've used with Brook Lopez so much this season, but he did look a little bit refreshed. He looked a little bit rejuvenated. And one of the things that stood out to me earlier in the season, I remember we spoke about it on a podcast going back probably a couple of months ago now, uh, mostly because it was not the type of comment that Bud would usually say. And I asked Bud about Brook Lopez and the way he'd started the season. And Bud responded and said, yeah, I think Brook was one of those guys that the short offseason affected. And it probably impacted him in terms of the way that he started the season and the shape that he's in. And from that, I've always been kind of wondering, okay, Brook Lopez is getting older. He's, he's approaching his mid-30s. We all know that. At some point, yes, he is going to have a drop-off. Whether or not that's happened this season, I question that because of the way the Bucks have been playing. And anyway, I've been over those storylines. But perhaps he was the type of player that really, really needed the All-Star break just to have a couple of days off to rejuvenate a little bit. And I don't think that we should totally dismiss that with the entire attitude of this Bucks team in regards to how they are treating the regular season this year and trying to peak at the right time, at different adjustments, the fact that Bud's also been going small down the stretch and going away from Brook Lopez a little bit, I don't think that we can totally dismiss the fact that Brook Lopez understands where he's at at his career, understands how the last two regular seasons have panned out. And he himself wants to peak at the right time and is maybe just going to round into his best shape physically as the season wears on. Yeah, and I think I was on one of the previous shows where we had that, that conversation. Um, and I'm with you where, look, I think it, it's fair to say, and, and I don't know how much of it is a combination of all the things that, that you just went through, but I, I think it's fair to say when you looked at the first 36 games, this wasn't the same version of Brooke Lopez that we saw the last two years. And it, it did feel for quite some time that maybe we were starting to witness the beginning of some regression or a downward slope for him. Not that he was an unplayable guy. And, and that's the thing that drove me nuts was seeing some of the rationale of the Bucks need to cut or trade Brooke Lopez or move on and, and do something else. I mean, he's still a very valuable player. And you can say that he's not quite to the level that he was the last two years, but that doesn't mean he's bad. It just means the last two years, he was one of the best rim defenders in the league, and he was historically great last season. So to say he's not at that level doesn't mean he's a bad player. It's far from it. Um, I'm curious to see what he's going to look like in the second half, but for all of the calls of the demise of Brooke Lopez, I mean, even things as simple as just looking at the numbers. It is no different from what he's done his first two years in a Bucks uniform that I think we tend to, to, to really drag this out and stretch it way out of proportion where the point production is basically the same and he's basically same in the pecking order in terms of the offense and who's going to get the volume of shots. His, his point production, his rebounding, his minutes, his shooting percentage is up from where it was 
last season, which is the most encouraging thing. But it's not like there's been this steep decline in his numbers that if you just listened to the Brooke Lopez detractors in, in Buck's Twitter, you would lead you would be led to believe that Brooke Lopez's point production was chopped in half and he was shooting less than 30% of his threes and he was just a defensive sieve. And none of that is the case. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how he's used in the second half. And, you know, really those things that we saw down the stretch against the Grizzlies and against the Clippers specifically where, uh, and Bud was asked about this, where he was pulled out and we saw the Bucks close with smaller lineups. I mean, that's probably something we're going to see quite a bit of in the second half. And it's just something that's probably going to be good for Brooke Lopez as well, where you're not just trying to jam a square peg into a round hole and say, well, you're our rim protector, you're our center, we need you out here, even when there's not a traditional big out there and it's more of a perimeter-based offense and, and you're going to struggle to defend against that. So I think they're going to be creative and I think he's you know, going to be, as, as you pointed to, the time off probably helped. I think that's going to be big, and I think just maximizing his usage is going to be big for this team as well. And, you know, I mean, you think back to some of the big games that he's pulled out. I mean, tonight was one of those games where he's looked as good as he's looked all year. Um, but some of the big performances offensively that he's pulled out, he's going to have moments like that in the second half, and you're going to need moments like that in the postseason. So, I'm with you. I certainly haven't given up on him. I don't think the decline from him, I think it's fair to say there has been some, but I don't think it's been anywhere near what you would be led to believe the decline was just by going off of social media. And I, I do also wonder if, you know, part of it may be age, but there's a lot of new with this team. And Brooke Lopez was the one that really talked about this in the offseason when, you know, we were asking all the questions of adjusting to new teammates. And you know, Brooke was the one that really detailed out, like, look, you guys often talk about there's a lot of change with this team and you got to get used to this and this and this, but there's more to it than you guys fully realize. And here's what I mean by that. And that you know, Bobby Portis needs to learn 13 new teammates, but I need to learn Bobby Portis and I need to learn Brent Forbes and I need to learn Drew Holiday and where they are going to get me the ball and where they play and defensively, some of the things that their tendencies are. So I'm ready to, to clean up some of that. And I think the changes we've seen offensively and defensively, those have impacted Brooke Lopez as well, where that's one of the, you know, not one of the first names that comes to mind when you talk about, well, Giannis and Chris, and here's what Drew's going to be asked to do in Dante. We don't even mention Brooke Lopez, and, and he's one of the names that's been impacted by it the most as well. So I think it's a combination of things. I, I think it's it's just the total picture to me for this team, and I think it was Zach Lowe that said it the other day, is I could not agree more that this is just a team that I think overall we are going to feel much better about this team and probably about all of the pieces as well, but we're going to feel much better about the Bucks in a month and maybe two months than we do right now, that it's a team that is just going to continue – to gradually work some of the things out and get better as the season goes on. And I think Brooke Lopez is certainly one of the guys that fits that bill as well. Yeah, I mean, he's shooting thirty mid-30s from three, which is a significant climb from last year, and he's still getting new double digits. So just on the offensive end stuff, yeah, I mean, I've had a few conversations with people that say, well, why don't they use him more? Why doesn't he do more? And I'm like, well, he's the fifth guy with Dante, and both those players are still getting new double digits. 
I, I don't know. I don't know what else we want. And how we, if you want, to, if you really want to get him more post ups, when are you doing that? And who are the whose ball? Uh, who are you taking the ball out of their hands? Giannis, Chris, or Drew Holiday? I don't think so. I mean, that's not really what I want to do. So the offensive stuff, I really just don't care about. He's been fine. And he will continue to be fine. Tonight he was four or five on twos, which was uh, nice to see. I'll say that. But defensively, my suspicion for why Brook Lopez looked so good tonight and the reason he was able to get those five blocks is because the Bucks were playing a similar defense to what we've seen them play over the years. And Brook Lopez was parked in the paint and he was protecting the rim. And it's funny, the closer he is to the basket, more opportunities he's going to have to block those shots. And overall, uh, the Knicks were only at... I only scored 32 points in the paint. So, you know, I mean, I I really do, and I've been really calling for this a lot, the fact that I do believe that a lot of the problems or a lot of the struggles defensively or the perceived struggles for Brook Lopez defensively is the fact that he's out on the perimeter more. He's away from his safe space more than he has been in the past. And as you mentioned, the turnover, nobody misses Eric Bledsoe more than Brook Lopez on this team. I mean, he he is... He's crying for, for that guy out on the defensive end for when they are playing that drop coverage because Bledsoe was so damn elite at it. And a lot of the times we don't give Bledsoe enough credit. But the fact that he's not out there getting over those screens and harassing the ball handler all the way into Brook Lopez who just uh, swats that ball away, I mean, it's been a significant change. So uh, perhaps there's some physical stuff there where he's going to build up as the season goes on. Um, perhaps it is simply the fact that the Bucs are just going to have to be more versatile with the lineups they use, and particularly when it comes to closing. Uh, but overall, only one game, only against the Knicks. But it's nice to see Brook have that type of impact defensively. There's no doubt about that. Because uh, I think that, for the most part, tonight what I saw, or what I was reading on Twitter, was people watching the game saying, yes, this is the Brook Lopez we want. This is a lot better. And I'll agree with that. Tonight, it was noticeably one of his best nights of the season, which uh, more than anything was fun to see. And if you are someone that is concerned about uh, his level of play or whether he can play there, it was probably a relieving performance. You probably felt good uh, watching Brook out there. But overall, the Bucks now 23-14. and 14. They've won seven of eight. They had a, a, a five-game losing streak before that where Drew Holiday was out. But they are really starting to roll. And they have another opportunity to pick up a win in Washington on Saturday night at 6 p.m. So let's keep this thing rolling. They can get 10 games over 500, which when all things considered, and the fact that Drew Holiday did miss 10 games, that's a pretty damn nice spot to be in. I would take that. Uh, yeah, and I mean, they didn't get any help tonight from the two teams that they're chasing in the East. <laughs> but, I mean, the fact that the Bucks are right there when – Again, you go with narratives and optics, and just if you hear the conversation that takes place about the Bucks this first half of the season, you would think, okay, well, the Bucks are the three seed in the East, and it's been Philadelphia and Brooklyn, and the Bucks are maybe five games behind them, and then there's a, a big drop-off after the Bucks, but they're right there within striking distance. And, you know, I think Philadelphia is the team more than Brooklyn where everything has gone their way. And I know they've been games, and, and tonight was one of them, where Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are out of the lineup, but that's a team that's just been rolling, and they haven't really faced that adversity in that aspect. It's it's very similar to what the Bucks went through the last two years. Uh, but this is a Bucks team that 10 games without Drew Holiday, still figuring things out defensively, changing things offensively. We've talked about some of the performances from individual guys that – may not be there quite yet, and they're just starting to get there. And despite all that, it's two games back with 
five games left between those two teams and four of those five at home. I mean, just as I said moments ago that I, I think this is a team you're going to feel a lot better about in a couple of weeks or a month or two months than you do right now. Uh, I mean, the fact that they have the majority of their games left against the two teams that they're chasing, to me, is one of the more encouraging te- things that you can look at it and say, well, it's a pretty difficult second-half schedule for the Bucks, which it is, and you got five games against those two teams. But to me, I would rather have more of my games against the Sixers and Nets in the second half as this team continues to get better than go through that in the first half and maybe you know lose four of those six games. And then the tiebreakers are gone and you have to make up ground other ways that I think the Bucks are actually in a pretty good spot with that. It's going to be fun. I'll say that. I'm really looking forward to some of those matchups. It's going to be a wild run to the postseason. It's hard to believe. I believe it's down to 73 days or something like that, somewhere around that mark before the postseason starts. So it's going to be here real quick. And uh, we just hope the Bucs can continue their momentum. But Justin, uh, as always, after a home game, uh, it's much appreciated you staying up to come on here and save everyone from listening just to me. Uh, well, I mean, I thought uh, I thought you were going to say at the beginning of the show, the feedback from the listeners was, <laughs> you know, this has been a great stretch of shows. We haven't heard him in a while. So keep it up and keep him off the show. So anytime. Well, there's always detractors, Justin. That's the, that's the one thing that I've had to come to grips with since I started doing this stuff. You know, I used to lose sleep over it, but now can't please anyone or everyone. Well, you can please someone. I shouldn't say can't please anyone. That, <laughs> I mean, that some, a, for some of us, that's the case too. Uh, it's true. It's true. You can't please everyone. You know, it's always going to be disappointed, but part of the fun of doing this is the debate uh, either way. So we love it, uh, but we will be back after the weekend. The Bucks have a game against the Wizards, as I said, on Saturday night. So hopefully uh, they can pick up another win there. But keep an eye out on the channel. We'll be back at some point. Uh, outside of that, have a great weekend, and we'll speak to you guys next time.